Great to see you here today. I want to spend a uh, or extend a special welcome to those joining us online. Glad you're joining us for this service. And I shout out to you at Watertown and Aberdeen and here on too. Pray that God moves mightily in your areas. Um, last week we got to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and the chapter begins with these really uh, comforting words: "Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also." In me. Now, the disciples were really distressed because Jesus had revealed to them that Peter would deny him and that one of them would betray him, which ended up being Judas Iscariot. And so they had these troubled hearts. They had these heavy hearts. And as chapter 14 continues on, Jesus reveals how we can have hearts that are at ease, that aren't troubled. This chapter, I think, is really a word of the Lord to us in these times. I'm so tired of the news. How about you? It's just discouraging. I would suggest to you that you watch enough to be informed and then turn it off. Because it's getting ridiculously redundant and sad. So um, get enough to know what's going on, but then turn it off. Uh, I have a picture that's going to pop up here on the overhead. Um, What's wrong with that picture? What's that? Is it out of focus? Yeah, does that bother you? I mean, I, I, that's my life without my glasses on. Amen? Some of you know what that's like. That's what you see when you don't wear your glasses. Um, this is the way I think most people see life. They don't quite have it in focus. It just, it's blurry. And Jesus addresses this in John chapter 14. He says, Your life's a bit out of focus. You have troubled hearts going on right now. And I'm going to give you two ways, basically, says, of bringing your life back into focus. And we covered these last week. I'm going to review them very quickly today because they set up today's message for us uh, really well. First of all, if you want to have a life that's at ease, you have to have the focus of destination happening. You have to see that you're heaven bound, that this earth is not your home. You have to have a focus of destination. In The Wizard of Oz, and a lot of us have seen that, they had the focus of destination. Dorothy, the Tin Men, the Lion, and the Scarecrow all were going to The Wizard of Oz to hopefully get their, uh, you know, needs met. So they had that hope of destination. If you are a Christ follower, if you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you need to have the focus of heaven, that destination. It will bring your life and everything you're going through, all the troubles that you're facing, into proper focus. And now Dorothy and gang, they followed the yellow brick road. They had a path that led to this destination. We too have a path that leads to our destination of heaven. And that's the second focus that Christ reveals to us in John chapter 14. That's the focus of really knowing Jesus Christ. You have to have that be the path of your life. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, No one comes to the Father but through me. And this is the path we're to follow. If we want to do well in our lives, if we want to bring life into focus, we have to make our life about really knowing Jesus Christ. So Jesus reveals that these two critical focuses, destination and really knowing him, will bring our life into focus and put our hearts at ease. But then he wants to move us from having a troubled heart to a triumphant heart. 
And he gets to this magnificent promise that you can easily read right through in John chapter 14. That really is like that. It's really like the crescendo moment, the high moment uh, of John chapter 14. It's a moment of triumph. And he says this in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now follow this logic here. You can't just take this promise of doing greater things in Jesus out of context and say, well, if I just, if I just tack Jesus' name onto whatever I want, then he's obligated to do it. No, that's not what's being said here. Take this logic. Understand this logic. If you have the focus of heaven as a destination where you're heavenly minded, where you're seeing my journey in life is about ending up in, in face-to-face with God someday, and then you have as a focus uh, of pathway of, of really being connected to Christ, really knowing Jesus, guess what? You're then going to ask things in what? Alignment with the will of the Father. And then Jesus said, if you do so according to my name, I guarantee you, I make that check good, so to speak. I put my name on that thing. It will happen, and it will bring glory to me, and it will further the kingdom of God. So we get to this high point, and right after this, I don't want to say John 14 changes tone. It gets more explanatory in how to really have this kind of triumphant life. And Christ uh, reveals to us that you can really live this, but something has to transpire in your life. There has to be a critical linkage that transpires. And you know what? I don't think most of Christendom gets this. Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to do these great things. But listen, your life is going to have to be one that demonstrates obedience because obedience is a demonstration that you love me, and that obedience is made possible by the person of the Holy Spirit. And this, so what we're going to see in the message, whoa, that was really swift. What we're going to see in the message today is this critical link. This really worked much better when I practiced. That love is demonstrated by obedience, and obedience is made possible by the filling of the person of the Holy Spirit. I do not think a lot of Christianity, I don't think a lot of Christians really, really understand this or believe it. We're called to love Christ, but the way we love Christ is how? We're going to read today by obeying his commands. That's a demonstration that we love him. And that, that, that obedience is made possible by the infilling power of the person of the Holy Spirit. So with that bit of an introduction, we're ready to dive into the message uh, today. So I'm going to read to you now John chapter 14, verses 15 um, to basically the end of chapter, which is verse 31. So listen to this. In fact, open your hearts. Open your hearts. And let this word be a word of the Lord to you today in the troubling times that we find ourselves in. Listen to this word. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Pretty clear, right? If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. 
Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. Did he answer that question? I think he didn't want to be distracted. My Father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do, I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. So right after this marvelous promise that we'll be doing greater things than than Jesus did, uh, he gets into this, if you love me, it will manifest itself in obedience to me. He's saying this is how you step into this fertile soil of experiencing this truly triumphant life that God has desired for you. He doesn't want you just not to have a troubled heart. He wants you to understand how to have a triumphant heart. And the way you do that, Christ is saying here, is by love that demonstrates itself in obedience to me. So love is linked to, right, obedience. And obedience is linked to the filling of the Holy Spirit. We just have to understand this critical, critical, critical linkage. And so what I want to do for a few moments today is talk with you on the linkage between love and obedience and then obedience and the person of the Holy Spirit. If you get this, if you get this linkage, you'll understand then how to truly live a triumphant life in Christ, and you will experience the promise of John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, where Christ says, you'll do greater things than I've done. So first of all, we see this. I'm just going to state it. Love is demonstrated by obedience. Love is demonstrated by obedience. The blacksmith was instructing a novice in a way to treat a horseshoe. I'll bring the shoe from the fire. I'm going to lay it on the anvil. When I nod my head, hit it with a hammer. The apprentice did exactly as told, but he never hit a blacksmith again. That's cheesy. That's what I think a lot of Christians do when it comes to this love and obedience linkage. We don't quite get it. We don't hit the anvil, we hit something else, right? We just don't quite get it. Um, To love Jesus is manifested, friends, to love, if you say, I love Jesus, if if you're saying that now, if you're saying, I'm a Christ follower and I love Jesus, then what you're saying is, I will manifest that in my life by obedience to him. I love what Pastor Aaron did for us a couple weeks ago when he began to talk about the topic of love. He said love is, first of all, others-oriented. It's, 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 it's about having at the heart of what I do the welfare of another person, right? And, and then it's also manifested by servant heart and by action. And I love how he said it's coupled with truth. Well, now here's another piece of the puzzle of understanding love. If you say, I love 
Christ, you are saying then that will be manifested in my life by obedience to his commands. That is love. If you don't do that, if you don't have that, then you're not loving like Christ says to love. Amen? No amens. COVID, you're afraid, aren't you? So are you beginning, no, after these several messages, are you beginning, friends, to understand what love is? It's not sentimentalism. It's not emotionalism. It's the things that we have been describing for you over the last several weeks. An unfaithful spouse can say to his wife, can say to her husband a thousand times, I love you. But that act of unfaithfulness says otherwise, doesn't it? The action speaks louder than the words. And we show that we love Christ by our acts of obedience. So I want to talk with you on a helpful hint on obedience. Please open your hearts to hear this. Everybody listening online, open your hearts to hear what I'm about to share with you today. This is really simple but profound in its application and implication to you as a follower of Christ. So here's a helpful hint on obedience. Make the decision one time and then stick to it. Live it out. But do not go back to making a decision over and over again on whether or not to obey Jesus in a certain area of your life. Make it one time, amen? I'm not getting any amens at all. I might as well be preaching to the camera, guys. Anyway, make the decision one time and then stick to that decision. That's a really helpful hint on obedience. For example, if you have a problem with taking the Lord's name in vain, we know that's wrong, right? Ten Commandments. Do not take the name of the Lord thy God um, in vain. Well, if you have a problem with some swearing in that regard, then you make a decision. You know, I acknowledge, God, that taking your name in vain is a sin. I have now made a decision to be obedient to you in that area. And now I will spend the rest of my life doing what? Living out that obedience, being faithful to that obedience. When you mess up and fail, you just repent and go back to that conviction of not taking the Lord's name in vain. But you don't do this every time you get mad. Well, should I take the Lord's name in vain or not? Maybe it's okay because I'm mad enough this time, blah, blah, blah. If you have not made the decision of obedience in the heat of the moment, my friends, you will not make that decision. You will yield to the disobedience. So you have to make the decision to be obedient and then stick to it. This applies to all areas. It applies to any, any sin or anything that you struggle with. Um, it might be, you know, um, something like gossip or adultery or stealing or cheating or anger. All these things, you make a decision. These things aren't going to govern me. I'm going to be obedient to Christ in this area. So that's one side of making the decision one time and sticking to it. But there's also the do side of obedience. We kind of tend to major on the don't side of obedience, but we need to also go to the what should I do side of obedience. So we know that we are called to what? Love, and we have talked about what love means here. So you have to make a decision one time that I will love others as I love Jesus Christ, which means I will have the best interests of them at the heart of what I do towards them. That means that I will be actionable in how I do that. I will have a servant heart towards them. That means that I will be a person that tells them truth 
coupled with that love because true love cannot be uncoupled from truth. That means that I will be obedient to the Lord's commands and how I treat them because that's a demonstration of loving them. You do the same thing with live or with forgive. You decide I will forgive because Christ commands me to forgive. I will make that decision to be a forgiving person. I will not hold on to resentment for 30 years and justify myself and rationalize myself while I in bitterness rot my bones and affect everybody around me, amen? I will be a forgiving follower of Jesus Christ because I'm commanded to do that, amen? What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We look like Jesus when we obey that. Amen? Amen. Boy, I tell you, I'm more pumped up about this than you are. But, you know, I want to get, I got to get real, uh, real, real with you. How's that? So we have some of you have chosen to worship with us in present today. That's great. Some of you are at home. Uh, you're not comfortable with meeting together yet like this. Uh, and you're meeting at home. That's great. The methodology uh, 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 doesn't matter. It's that, that we have a commitment, friends, that we have a commitment to be the church. Amen? And a commitment to discipleship. That's what matters. Now, here's what I want to say to you. We want to be obedient to Christ in this area. And so, my concern is, I hear this a little bit, oh, I just love staying at home, and I'm picking on you guys online because I think there's a lot of good reasons for you to stay home. Amen? Oh boy, here we go. You can join us online. But here's what I, I don't want it to become. I do this when it's convenient for me. Well, I'm busy right now, so I'll just do church Tuesday night this week, maybe, if it fits into my schedule. Or I'll do it Wednesday, or whatever. What you have to understand, if you want to be an obedient follower of Christ, is that there needs to be a sacred moment in your week where what is priority is that thing called church, that sitting down and saying, I'm about you, Lord Jesus. Everything else is, is secondary to this. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning. It could be Sunday night. It could be Monday night, whatever. You have to make that decision if you're watching online. But here's what it needs to be, a sacred moment where you pray about it, you open up your heart, you, you participated even at home. I was out, I was saying to Aaron when he was preaching the other, other two weeks ago, I was up at the lake place and I decided to take my phone, 10 o'clock, turn on the service, go for a walk it, 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 around the lake because it's so beautiful. I have never been that engaged in church in a long time. It, what he was preaching was, first of all, really good. And I, I was doing something on purpose to engage and make that moment sacred for me. So I want to really encourage all of you, whether you're meeting here in present or whether you're meeting at home, it is so important that it doesn't become a convenience thing, a comfort-driven kind of decision, but that you're making it a sacred moment, that you're setting it aside for Jesus Christ and expecting to connect with them. Amen? That's so important. And I, 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 again, the methodology, whether you're online, whether you're here in person, whatever the methodology is, it, 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 that's not important. The important thing is how are we approaching this sacred time of being together as the community of Christ's followers? And listen, I'm going to go further with this. You have to decide, every one of you here today, everyone listening online, you have to decide, I am the main one responsible for my discipleship. I, if I'm a parent... I am the main one responsible for my children's discipleship. 
Maybe God's calling you to mentor somebody else. Maybe God's calling you to join a group. Maybe God's calling you to, to do some things that are, 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 you know, out of your comfort zone. Whatever he calls you to do, you do it. But get this, you are mainly responsible for you. Amen? And one of the things the pandemic is revealing to us is that we as a Christian community got to understand that. We may not always have the, have the privilege and have the opportunity to meet and gather as we want. We may be in times where, where, where you know, distanced or whatever you want to call it. We have got to understand when it comes to my walk, your walk in Jesus Christ, we are mainly responsible for ourselves and accountable to God. Amen? And if you're a parent, I know it's a pain. I have six kids. I hear people saying, oh, you don't know how hard it is. Yes, I do. You have to be responsible for your children. You have to disciple them. You have to talk to them early in the morning. You have to talk to them late in the day. You have to talk to them as they go. You have to you know, share Christ with them. You have to take the ownership of that. Amen? And we'll come alongside you as a church. We want to help you like crazy. I didn't get a lot of amen on that one. But we'll, take it and we'll, we'll definitely be there uh, with you on that adventure. So here's what I want you to hear. Decide that whatever God words instructs, you'll just do it. You'll just do it. Usually when you move into a new house, they do a survey. They stake that house out, right? And they say, this is your land. This is your property. This is where you own this. This is where you operate in. When we begin to understand Jesus' commands and his uh, principles and his ways, and we begin to say, I'm going to be obedient to him, what we're doing is we're we're staking in the area that we can can operate in. You know, the surveyor will come in and he'll put some stakes, right? You guys get a stake, any of you? Some of you did. You saw the sign and did. Amen. If not, you can pick one on, on the way out. But they'll stake in that property, and that becomes a place that you do life in. And basically what Christ is sharing with us here is his commands and his ways, if you really love them, those become these stakes. Boom, boom, that set up how you do your life, right? And that's how you operate, and that's how you thrive, and that's how you become triumphant, by, by understanding some of this stuff. He's not leaving this topic matter of how to be triumphant in him, how to, how to do greater things in him, but we have to be, have to be putting these stakes in. So here's what we do, we've done. We've given you all who came today a stake for your family. Now, if you're online, you evidently didn't get a stake. But it's not like this thing's really hard to come up with at home. You can find a, a, a tent peg or whatever, or a piece of wood. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. As a family, make sure you include your chits on this. Put the stake someplace obvious. Stake it by your sidewalk, at your house, or on a corner where you see it. And what you, drive it in, and then talk with, as a family and say, you know what? We're going to be a family that's decided that we're going to manifest the love of Jesus Christ by being obedient to his commands. Drive that in there. And say, this is going to begin to define us. Now, you're not, make, you're not made okay with God because you do obedient things to him. You're okay with God already. And you do, because you love God and because he's changed your heart, what do you do? I want to obey him. But if you have kids, make sure to include them in this. This is a huge Christian concept to get. If you love Jesus, you'll do his commands. It's like driving a stake. And I would encourage you to go home and drive a stake in someplace visible so it reminds you that this is who I am, this is how I'm going to do my life. So here's our application challenge. Listen to this, receive it as a word to the Lord. If you want to bow your head to whatever you want to do, if you're at home, listen to this, let it be a sacred moment, hear what I'm about to share. Today I make the decision to respond to God in his ways with an attitude of obedience. I am setting this boundary in my life. Go home, drive the stake in some place, reread these words to your kids, they're on the note guide or whatever, and make it a sacred moment. 
Now, we've talked about love is linked to obedience. So now I want to talk about that obedience is linked to the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know how you are, but I'm sharing some of these things. And I think the natural inclination of a lot of people is to say, oh boy, I can't begin to keep the things that God wants me to do. I fail. My willpower is weak. This is not a message about having willpower. We've got the Holy Spirit power available to us. And whenever I talk on something like this, I want you to understand clearly that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be obedient so that we can truly manifest the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So connection number two is simply this. Obedience is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, the key to experiencing the greater works that Christ promised us in John chapter 14 is the infilling power and enablement of the person of the Holy Spirit. John, uh, Jesus said in John 14, 16, and 17 that he would ask the Father, and the Father would send the advocate to help you uh, to live with you forever and to enable you and to empower you. So the Holy Spirit lives inside the believer and the Holy Spirit will remind us of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll bring peace to our hearts, he'll bring conviction to us. Let me just give you some facts about the Holy Spirit. It's really, really important to get these facts. One, the Holy Spirit lives in and empowers the believer. That's why here at Grace Point, when we talk about our mission state, we say encounter grace, grow in grace, give grace. The reason grace is in there because it's a, it's a constant acknowledgement that everything that we we do is by the empowerment and the enablement of God himself. Amen? We don't do it by our own power. So the Holy Spirit is the one that brings that grace into our lives, brings that power, that enablement into our lives. And so the Holy Spirit lives in and empowers the believers. Secondly, the Holy Spirit then teaches and quickens the believer. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but the advocate's going to come. He's going to bring to your mind my teachings, and he's going to, you know, bring those teachings back to you, and he's going to quicken your spirit with them. And lastly, he talked about having this peace. You know what? The Holy Spirit brings peace. Brings peace to the believer. We are not saved by our power. We are not saved by willpower. We don't come to Christ on our own power. That's an enablement of God to be saved. Amen? For you're saved by grace, not by works. All right? You're not saved it's by faith, but through grace. If you want to be technical, you're saved by faith through grace. Okay, but you're not saved by your works. Once we become a Christ follower, we don't abide and thrive in Jesus by works. We thrive and abide in Jesus, what? By his enablement, by his grace, by the indwelling power and presence and person of the Holy Spirit. See, I think the Christian community has a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. There are some on one extreme who say, uh, I'm not going to get into the Holy Spirit. I'm going to deny him or dismiss him because I've seen some strange things done in the name of the Holy Spirit. And this may be legitimate. It may be some experience some of you really had. But I'm going to tell you this. You do that denial and dismissal of the person of the Holy Spirit to your personal damage. Because that's a very power of God meant to be active in your life. And when you deny the person of the Holy Spirit and his ministries, you're taking away a power source from your life. The other extreme I see when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit is chasing after manifestations all the time. Just wanting the Spirit to do some cool things so that we can kind of have, you know, a, a really cool moment and all that kind of thing. Um, sure, the Holy Spirit does the miraculous, but the great work that God desires to do in every one of us is to, to really have a truly transformed heart. Amen. And he wants to empower us to truly live the Christ-filled life so that we can truly be obedient to Christ, so that we can manifest in that we truly love him. That's the deep work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in people. 
So, are you getting this linkage? Love? I love Jesus. That means what? I'll obey his commands. But I don't do this in my willpower. I do this by what? Being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit and asking for the Holy Spirit to do this work in me. So here's what I want to do. Here is a way of kind of ending uh, the message today. I, I want to pray for us. I want to ask for the Holy Spirit to be upon us, because I would be amiss not to do that. And I'm going to use uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Uh, it says this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to get good gifts to your children. I did this very kind of thing this morning. I got up early, and there's little cars. I got my, some grandkids visiting, and we're going to go up to our lake place right after church today. So cars is up. She's like six. She's precocious. She's cute. Maybe she's seven. I can't keep track. I said, hey, grandpa's going to take his motorcycle out today and go to church. You want to ride? Yeah, she's the only one up. So I put her on my gas tank. Don't tell anybody this, uh, please. I, she had a helmet on, and uh, I tooled her around the new neighborhood where we're doing all this construction. And she said, "Woo, this is fun." But after a while, she said, "I want to go home, Grandpa." So then I knew she had enough fun. And so you know, we give these good gifts to our children, even though we're being evil. We're told we give these good gifts to our children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen. So not only do you drive the stake and say, I want to be a household defined by obedience, God, because I want to show that I love Jesus Christ. But the way that I understand when I drive that stake in the ground, I'm not saying I'm doing this by my willpower. I'm doing this by the Holy Spirit living in me. Amen. I'm doing this by the Holy Spirit power, not by my own power. So we're going to pray for that right now. Would you bow your heads? Lord God, I want to thank you for this clear promise of Luke chapter 11, verse 13, that you will give to those who ask you the person of the Holy Spirit. So we pray today anew, Lord, it doesn't matter if we've been in you 50 years or one year or maybe even right now making this decision, I should be a Christ follower. We ask the Holy Spirit, come in our hearts. Fill us with the power that Jesus promised. Fill us with the teachings of Christ. Do your work of comforting and conviction and guidance, Holy Spirit, that Jesus promised. You're our advocate. I love that word advocate, that, how that describes. You're on our side, so to speak, in terms of you want us to be spiritually successful people. So Holy Spirit, we pray, fill us. Fill us to overflowing. Bring into our minds and the thoughts of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. Bring into our wills submission to the ways and teachings of Jesus. Bring into our souls this uh, submissiveness, Lord, that will just follow Jesus no matter what. That's what we pray for today. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill everyone here, I pray. I pray that each one that would walk out of here today would be so full of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that they live life entirely differently. I pray that for all the ones watching online today. May that be a sacred moment at home that they would be filled with your Holy Spirit right now, that they would open up their palms to heaven and say, fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit so that I don't try to do this thing called Christianity in my own strength, but I do it by your empowerment. I pray these things, Jesus, in your name, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.